Welcome to the Ofrenda. My name is Nicholas Gonzalez. Thanks for coming over. Each episode, we'll get the chance to meet someone new who may not be able to introduce themselves anymore through the stories and memories shared here. Today, I want to introduce you all to a great friend of mine. Uh, we've known each other for a couple years now. He's a wonderful carpenter friend, all-around great guy, awesome with games, and very knowledgeable about some very interesting things. Uh, his name is Connor. Hey, Connor. Thanks for having me on the show. Has it been... God, it's actually been like five years now. Oh, yeah. I think. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm sitting here like, wait, how long? Oh, God, Cedar City. Oh, that was so... That was so much longer than I thought it was. I know. I was actually going back and thinking, how long, like, numbers-wise? And I think it's been over five years now. It's weird. <laughs> I had to go through and go, how often do I see, have I seen Taj shitpost? <laughs> like, that's almost how I have to measure things in time when it comes to, uh, just, just, who, just, these, just how theater works. When you're like, oh, I know so-and-so. And my favorite thing is when somebody goes, wait, how do you know Taj? Oh, <laughs> God. It's never like an oh, bad oh God. It's just, what the hell did he do this time? Exactly, right. There's always, there's always those few individual people who you meet and no matter what, they'll get brought up, and immediately you start wondering what's going on now, what changed, what did they do, what trouble did they get into, and how am I involved? It's not always how am I involved, it's how am I going to get myself out of it. Yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> it's, it's just, okay, what's the crime? How can I get this down from a felony to a misdemeanor for myself? Exactly. And, or, how much bail do I need to prepare right now? It's always more than you think, less than you hope. Yeah, but yeah, but how have you been? I mean, happy almost one year anniversary of quarantine! <laughs> <laughs> it's, again, the whole time, the time flies thing. What have you done for the past year? Uh, <laughs> I'm still processing last March, and now we're about to hit new March. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh... Yeah, <laughs> it's a thing. It's a th but and it's done a great job showing both the beautiful and terrifying parts of humanity in so many different ways that we're not going to get into tonight because I don't think we have the time nor the crayons. No, no, unfortunately. But that's fine. I'm sure there's there's other resources for that. So we're good. <laughs> but I mean, uh, working on making more mead because I have time, which is right. nice. Uh, working on one of my geeky podcasts and um, working on union negotiation contracts for the North Shore Music Theater for whenever guys... we actually get to go back. Well, you know, there's always that. Um, but yeah, because you guys just recently joined, correct? Uh, or at least are still in the process. We're still in the process. We started. Um, we started the whole process March, April of last year, and we're currently in negotiations with the theater. But I, I think it's going well. It's generating conversation that needs to happen. Um, and on both sides of the, of the table, it seems to be being 
there's some understanding that is occurring for both, mm-hmm. and it's going to hopefully lead to more conversation. But patience is a virtue, as my grandmother always loved to remind me. Mm-hmm. She'd love to remind me when I get frustrated at my brother. Let, let, let me clarify there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, who would you like to introduce us all to today? Well, on the, on the topic of my grandmother, actually, uh, I think it might be appropriate in these times. Uh, yeah, we're hitting March and St. Saint, Saint Patrick's Day, sure. Y'all better be going to Mass, well, virtual Mass. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm actually going to talk about my grandparents. Because uh, there's there's some, some wisdom and some lessons I've learned from them that have, uh, have actually really helped through this pandemic, oddly enough. And it's, it's always comforting. Um, both my grandparents are, are from Ireland. Um, my grandfather's from County Mayo, and my grandmother was from County Kerry. Um, and actually, before, last year, oh no, 2019, oh lord, <laughs> uh, 2020, this is a whole thing. I actually went and uh, went to visit my family, because most of my family is still over in Ireland. And um, that's where we buried my grandparents. And I got to see where my grandmother grew up, and it gives you a great sense of perspective as to when you meet family for the first time in a long time, when you get to meet them as an adult and you get to see the lessons that your family passes on through generations, not not just, you know, laterally in the tree, but horizontally through the branches. And it gives you a greater appreciation of where you come from. I think at least. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Cause like, especially, depending on how big your family is there are some relatives who you grow up and never really meet who are around the same age as you and you you finally get to meet them as an adult and you realize oh we were connected by blood but we don't really know each other that well and over time you kind of have to reintroduce yourself I guess to someone who technically you're supposed to have this strong bond with and so it's always interesting when you do get into those situations. No, very much so. But again, we we all learn, we all grow, we all change. Um, I mean, there's family members I have in the states that I don't see that often. That they could, I could probably tell you more about my family in Ireland than they could tell you about me. Mm. But it it all comes down to you know family and the lessons that you learn from them, not necessarily who they are when you meet them. Everyone changes and. The same person I met in Utah five years ago as the deck harp is different from the person I'm currently on a podcast with. That is, that is very true for many, <laughs> many For a variety of reasons. <laughs> um, but it all goes to say, it comes down to the lessons you learn, and it comes down to, at, at the end, what they teach. I mean, so it's a whole reason, you know, you, taught, you teach history and civics at the same time. That's why it's important to study culture and the religion attached to it, because we know, you know, so much about other cultures and mythologies, but you gotta remember, there's lessons to them, and there's mm-hmm. lessons to uh, to the things that our family pass on to us. But for my grandmother, at least, my grandmother taught me a lot about patience, um, <laughs> uh, but more important, hospitality, and that's always been something that's stuck with me for a variety of reasons. My mom is very much like her mother. Um, and I, I am very much like my mother. If somebody knocks on my door in the middle of the night and needs somewhere, you know, haven't eaten, they need somewhere warm to stay, I'm going to not ask questions, bring them inside, feed them, put the kettle on, make sure they have somewhere nice and warm. Yeah. My mother is the same way. And that's something that we both learned from my grandmother. 
and it didn't matter what part of the family you were you were a part of. It didn't matter if she hadn't talked to you in years. I watched cousins come from Ireland that my grandmother hadn't seen since she left Ireland. She brought them in, didn't ask how long they were staying, didn't ask where they were staying for a hotel. She went, so you're staying here. Well, no, 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 no. You're staying here. <laughs> like, you know, you, and when I got older, you know, you'd come home, the kettle was on, and she was just always so kind. Yeah. No, that's that's very sweet, and that's having known you for some time. I, I do recognize that, and so it's always interesting when you go back and realize where certain characteristics that you exhibit, where they come from. It's it's the beauty of learned behavior, and when family acts as family and looks out for each other, it's amazing to see what impact it has on the greater whole. I was lucky growing up. My grandparents moved close to my mom and my dad. My parents both worked from home, so it, it made a lot of sense, and they could, you know, if mom and dad needed a little time away from their two small Nordic celtic children that could throw each other through walls and hurl cinder blocks and bare hands you know yards away at each other there's someone's gonna keep us in line it was grandma and grandpa <laughs> so so how far back can you remember your grandparents i they used to live so my grandparents came from ireland they came to new york um and i never got to see the house in new york i was born long after they sold the you know John Riley's pub in Ireland, in New York, which I found a variety of photos from a variety of stagehands, uh, <laughs> ne'er-do-wells, and a lot of Irish, of Irish immigrants, um, because my grandfather was very instrumental in starting the uh, New York Irish Pride movement. Um, with the Ancient Hibernians Club, and it's a little it was funny when I went to college because that came up all the time. The the Danbury Irish Club is very huge is very huge within the Irish American community in Connecticut, and I'd walk in and I there was old family friends there, and it wasn't they knew me as Connor from West you know from Westcon, they knew me as John Riley's grandson, um, mm. and these people had known John my grandfather all his life. But, sorry, I got a little sidetracked there. When you say how long have I... What memories do I have? <laughs> I I remember growing up, they would visit. Um, and my grandparents both had strong... Not not heavily strong Irish brogues, but the, the very lyrical brogue that you expect to hear from the Irish. Not what you hear on TV, but, but the actual... The kind of brogue that takes its time to get there. Which is really weird, because it was... My mother has a little bit of that, but it's mixed with a New York accent, and it's... It gets a little trippy. Um, <laughs> two things that do go together and don't go together is an Irish brogue and a Bronx accent. <laughs> nice. Um, but I remember growing up, my grandparents would come. They would visit for a couple of days. They'd stay in the guest room. Um, I remember my mom went to labor with my little brother. My grandparents stayed. My grandmother basically took care of me. And she, you know, she'd cook breakfast for my dad because she adored my dad. And my dad really saw... Peggy Riley as as a mo- the mother he kind of wishes he could have. That's a whole different kettle of fish there with my old man, but it just shows it showed to me that my grandmother valued kindness and compassion, and again treating everybody as family. And yeah, he dad married into the family, but my grandmother always treated my dad as if 
as if, a, you know, her son. I grew up with my grandparents always being in my life. Every, you know, every holiday, they'd come down. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, they'd come down. We'd go to Mass together. Mass was always a big thing. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you and I both understand um, how big religion is to both of our families. Oh, yes. Uh, to it, the point where it's sometimes all you can talk about with them and all they want to talk about. Yeah. yeah yes. <laughs> we're going to just leave that. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the earliest memories of my grandparents were they were very quietly loving. They weren't boister. They weren't very boisterous people. They weren't very loud people. They could be, mm-hmm. but they weren't for the most part. Pe- you know, Peggy was always soft-spoken, uh, and my grandfather would hustle us all out of money when it came to Christmas poker. Nice. Um, I learned at a young age. My brother did not, um, <laughs> which is great because, in memory of my grandfather, my mother, my brother, and I still play poker at Christmas, and we still clean my brother out. <laughs> it's tradition now. It's oh, it's tradition. Same with backgammon, though. Um, but my those are some of my earliest memories with them. Uh, and then they moved closer to us, where we were in Connecticut. And it was interesting because I saw my grandparents at least once a week. Saying I'm a lot. There's there's a lot to process here. <laughs> just just because they were such a key part of my life in such a quiet way, which also is kind of fitting for how my grandparents were. My brother and I were two of the youngest grandchildren. My brother was the baby for the longest time. Uh, and it showed. <laughs> Eric got babied quite a bit. I did too. That's that's not totally unfair of me to say. Because we'd come home from school. And we'd go right to grandma and grandpa's for a couple hours. And it could be anything from my grandfather out in the back porch. In a clean wife beater I say clean the loosest terms here sweatpants, his carpet slippers the newspaper in hand and a Romeo and Juliet cigar that he didn't even bother to cut he just bit the end off of (laughs) and he'd sit on the back porch from 8am to whenever he needed another cup of tea and he'd come and make the tea and go back out and he'd just read the paper until his cigar burnt down and he'd hand Eric and I the funnies, and we'd just sit there and read with him and pretend we're all big adults. And there was just a very a quiet solemnity to my grandfather that I, looking back, appreciate a little more. And knowing more about who he was growing up makes more sense as to how he mellowed out as a person and how he and my, you know, my grandmother, the very lovely and interesting dichotomy that all that all couples have and <laughs> just just how years of marriage change that a little bit not for the not necessarily for the worst just how couples who've been together for so long change with each other mm-hmm. that's that's kind of nice to reflect on because i think as far as when we imagine people, we kind of have this one stagnant, I guess, image of them sometimes, but to recognize that they grow and they change. And I think even though like they are your grandparents, you might have this very vivid image of them. 
but to also recognize that they have changed themselves over time is is actually very humbling and and a very human thing to do. Time changes. Every, I mean, <laughs> my um, I my 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 uncle Pat is the youngest of his siblings by eight years, mind you. He was a bit of an oops. Mm-hmm. I mean, he knows that, and he always he always jokes about that. And one day, uh, they were going to a hockey game. It was my grandfather, uh, my my uncle John, the oldest, my uncle Brian, the second oldest, and Pat, the baby. And Pat, at this point, is in high school. So, you know, John and Brian both are, you know, they have their careers, they're moved out, they're, you know, they're adults. And uh, they're like, Where, where's Dad? And Pat go, just goes down the hallway and yells, are you going to shit in bed all day? And John and Brian nearly ran for the car because they were so ready for their father, my grandfather, to come out and just whoop their asses <laughs> if they ever spoke to him like that. And it was different because he mellowed out with Pat, you know, with, uh, you know, the son, his son Pat. Hmm. And, and that's another thing that it's funny to watch. my To watch my mother and watch my family, especially my aunts and uncles. And we I get to now pay attention and look for those moments of where's John. I can tell where John is because it's it's the hard Irish love. It's the um, <laughs> there's I'm trying to, to to describe this to someone who not who doesn't necessarily understand how the Irish love each other because <laughs> it's a it's and every family does it differently and every culture does it differently but it's a very tough love mm-hmm. um, and and not to say that my grandfather was a saint my grandfather was not a very nice man but he mellowed out with age he learned I like to think he changed he really did at the end. At least for the twenty some odd years that I knew him as my grandfather, um, but at the mo- at the sly moments of just the quip and the turning of the knife, the did you just say that? Are you continuing to say that? Should I be offended? I am offended, and you, my grandfather, and again, God bless him, knew how to put you off in the best way with his humor. Okay. It wasn't offensive. It it was um it was it was things like he could go up to my father and go, you know, one day I'm gonna hire an investigator, investigate into you. Why you why you gotta leave? Just leave my daughter alone. Okay. John, we've been married for twenty years. I know, <laughs> but one day. But that and that was his kind of humor. It's just the the very dry humor. He was always very good at you know, at taking a dig at somebody, but he was very good at the self depreciation humor as well. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and that was something I was I was shocked at when I I, I wasn't shocked. Let me phrase: I was not shocked. My brother was shocked. I was amused by his shock uh, when it came to how the Irish are portrayed in the media. Very loud, very boisterous, always cursing. That that's not the case. The Irish are, are very quiet people, for the most part. At least at least the uh, the McGillicuddies and the uh, the quirks. The Rileys depends on the day, but the the humor is just as dark as you think it is, and just as funny, and very de- you know, self depreciate. And if you can if you can take a joke and you can make a joke about yourself, you go a lot farther. Uh, and that was something I thought was normal in most families until I I st- like I went to high school, and I went to college, and I made the jokes that like I would make with my family, and those I got looks for. I got a what the hell is this guy talking about? And there was a there was a saving grace one day. I I cracked I cracked a bad joke. It was actually uh, it was something along the lines of, well, 
if he dies in his bed, we can push him out and you can sleep in it. <laughs> and that was a joke that my that was made when my grandmother, before she passed. Uh, but I made the joke, and everyone looked at me as if I had three heads, and I was just saying some godforsaken blasphemy. And I hear a laugh. I hear somebody laughing in the back. It's my. It's my uh, one of my fraternity brothers, Terence, who is also his family's Irish and off the boat, and he gets the dark humor. But that's the thing. My family also revels, and my grandparents very much reveled in dark humor, especially when it came to sports. Sports are a very big thing. My grandfather was, you know, was a stark, a staunch Yankee man, or uh, the Patriots for American football, and if. If the hurling was on, it was always it was always Mayo. He was a Mayo man all through and through. Uh, if it was rugby, it'd be Mayo, and then maybe Donegal. Dublin never had a chance. <laughs> and there's one day I remember coming in, and my grandparents would listen to the radio. I had to be, I want to say, for fourteen, yeah, thirteen, fourteen, and it was it was County Kerry versus County Mayo. It was a, it was a Gaelic football match which is different than both football and American football. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot of Gaelic that day. I learned a lot of Gaelic that it repeated and I got in trouble for. <laughs> it was very entertaining for two very you know for my soft-spoken grandmother to be out of her chair and be just cursing up a storm as my grandfather sat there about to light a cigar going off. And I le- again, I learned a lot that day. And then I got in trouble when I found out my music teacher in high school could also speak Gaelic, and she understood when I cursed a kid out in the middle of a hallway. Ooh. Yeah, where'd you learn that? I'm not telling. I'm not going to rat my grandparents out. You kidding me? <laughs> this is the same. This is the same grandparents who my grandmother, bless you know, bless her, very hardline Catholic. My grandfather, not so much. My grandmother was every Sunday, we'd go to Mass. My grandfather would put a suit on, and he'd go with. Eventually, he stopped going, because my, my mother and I would pick my grandmother up for Mass, and we'd go to Mass together with my brother. And my brother in Mass is a very interesting time, because he doesn't pay attention. Um, I had to elbow him through a couple, a, a couple uh, Sundays in the front row, with Father Greg looking for, at us. And uh, the, the diocese we went to... Diocese of Norwich, uh, St. Mary's, small little church. Grandma loved it because Grandma could go in, and everyone knew who Peggy Riley was, because that was who Peggy Riley was—the devout Catholic with two grandsons, who was, you know, a devout follower of the Lord, and very happy to have a priest who has an accent harder to understand than hers. (laughs) Uh, My priest was from Poland. Oh, <laughs> so a priest with a Polish accent, a deacon who's six foot six and in a biker gang, and my five foot two Irish grandmother. That's a sitcom. I'm sorry, but that's it, it is. And, it, and the thing is, got along famously. <laughs> God, and I remember I missed mass this day because I was setting up something for Lent for Stations of the Cross, and Father Greg. A very kind man, you know, as priests are, just very, very forward with everything. And I'm not going to try to do his accent. I could never. I tried. I tried in front of him. Could never do it. And he opened up your, you know, the 
to hymnal, we're going to sing Psalm 285, There is a bomb in Gilead. And my brother, the little shit he is, goes, Hey, Mom, <laughs> there's a bomb. Somebody better go tell them. And my grandmother, with the rosary beads wrapped around her hands, without thinking, slugs my brother in the arm, loud enough where you could hear it. And my brother just goes, Ah! And he looks over, and grandmother's just counting the rosary. And he leans over and goes, Mom, I think Grandma hit me. And Grandma, loud enough, goes, I'll do it again if you don't shut it. And start praying to the Lord for forgiveness. And again, this is in the front row. Father Greg has now seen all of this. And as they're walking out, after the Mass, Father Greg goes, Peggy Riley, did something happen today in Mass? And my grandmother goes, No, I had to uh, remind my grandson the beauty of the Lord and to pay attention, is all. And, and that's a story that still still goes through, because it, it, you just got to look at my brother sometimes, and all I can see is Peggy Riley with the rosary around her hands, just whap. And, uh, and actually, that was that was a key when, um, unfortunately, my grandmother started to lose her memory uh, as she got older. The dementia set in, which was unfortunate. This is a woman who broke half her ribs. And again, it's funny to describe to, to people, what does Irish mean? Um, you always lie about pain. Mm. Yeah, I, I definitely remember that about you. <laughs> but um, my grandmother broke a couple ribs, punctured a lung, and she called my dad and went, Frank, uh, how you doing today, sweetie? My dad, oh, I'm doing okay. How you doing, Peggy? I took a bit of a spill. It hurts a little bit. It hurts like hell. And my dad dropped everything, got into, the, got into his car, and drove over. Because if Peggy ever cursed, something was dreadfully wrong and that that unfortunately was is kind of what i marked as the the decline for my grandmother there she started to lose her memory she started taking more falls but it was weird it was i say weird because we got her mad once when she was losing her memory she was continuously breaking out of her her hospital room and they couldn't stop her they couldn't figure out how she was getting out. They put boxing gloves on her hands. And she was still able to push her way through nurses and doctors and somehow get all the IVs out of her arms, get out of the bed, and get running down the hallway. And she couldn't remember who we were at the time. And my brother just goes, did anyone take out her dentures? And my grandmother went from, I don't know who you people are, to, and I quote, Eric Riley Thompson, you traitorous little bastard. Holy shit, Grandma remembered us! Yay! And Grandma's pissed at us! Yay! Yay. <laughs> um, and that was the thing. So my dad, when my dad would go and visit, he'd get her mad. And he, she'd suddenly remember who he was. And it was unfortunate, because towards the end, that, that stopped working, too. And they only gave her a couple weeks to live. And then, you know, that dragged on to months. And one day, the doctor called my grandfather. You haven't, you haven't come to see her. I haven't seen her in a while. She's gone. And the doctor goes, no, she's waiting for you so she can say goodbye. And so my grandfather went and he sat with her and she couldn't say anything. But she, the way he always put it is she remembered who I was for the first time in many months. And um, it wasn't long after that before she finally found peace. It was only a couple hours, actually. And that always stuck with me. The, the, the whole... They were in love for 
seven, 60, 70 years. Yeah, they were married for 60, 70 years. Five kids, a lot of grandchildren. Like it, was a, it was a very long marriage. It had its ups and downs, as, all, as every relationship does. Mm-hmm. But I just, that always stuck with me. My grandmother was kind to the end. She loved to the end. And all she wanted was to be able to say goodbye. And that, to me, spoke volumes about my grandmother. Compassionate to the end. Loving to the end. Tough love at times. She, she wasn't afraid to raise her voice or get the spoon. There's, I've heard stories about chanclas. I can tell you stories about the wooden spoon. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's generational. I still... I have wooden spoons in my kitchen, and I still look at them with a little bit of fear. Yeah, that never goes away. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and... Uh, but that was the lessons, again, some of the lessons I learned from my grandmother. You know, kindness, compassion, reverence, and a little bit of humor. You know, the, the humor is always an important part of family. And not to be afraid to ask when dessert is so you can leave sooner. <laughs> That's always her key thing. Was when's dessert, when the minute dessert was served, she'd eat it and go, okay, I'm going home. It's a great excuse to leave things early. Whether it be uncomfortable dinner parties... Or just enough of her grandchildren just wanting to jump up and down on her lap. <laughs> Loved us all. Loved us all. But I can understand small children in too many quantities. Yeah, yeah, no, I can definitely uh, understand that. So, uh, and I'm going to actually remember that trick because I'm going to use that from now on. <laughs> it is, as even, I'm a little bit of an extrovert, and I know you're very much an introvert. Use it. I've used it out of a lot of, okay, I need to go now. Mm-hmm. It's like when you tell your mom, hey, mom, or dad, depending, you know, depending. I'm going to call my friends because my friends want me to go to something. I need you to say no. <laughs> it's the same trick of, ah, uh, dessert served. I should be going home. Right, exactly. It doesn't work if you're at the pub with pints. I found that just get that drags the night out. Yeah, that's a good point. It's it's always a little tricky when alcohol is involved, but still. But what are pints? What are pints and pubs in 2021? I know, oh. it's, it's a virtual thing now. I just want, and this is something I attribute to my grandfather. Again, the man was a bartender in New York, owned his own bar, still very well known in the Irish American community. And I just attribute wanting a good pint in a quiet pub to him. He, he would talk about that. Um, he'd and it was in those kind of moments where he'd talk about owning a pub, especially when we we all like to remember that, you know, especially I work in Boston. There's a lot of Irish pride in Boston. That has not always been the case. It's same in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's only been a fairly recent change in the past 50 years. It's not as bad as literally anything else. Um, but my grandf- my grandfather came over... 1908? 1910? 19, uh, 1910, I think. It was two. This is the foggy part of I can't remember some of the dates because there was a little bit of um, who was older, who was younger at my grandparents. And I think my grandfather was lied about being older. Older than your grandma or just older I than think he was younger. Oh. But the, it, the age, very important. At least to them. Um, but he told me a lot about when he, you know, he, he spent a year or two in America and then went back home. Um, he told me a lot about growing up very poor. Uh, he grew up next to the schoolhouse, so he couldn't even skip school. 
uh, <laughs> which he'd love to give me flack for because at the time I was going to school on an island and I couldn't skip school without everyone knowing where the hell I was. Good point. <laughs> he didn't get away that quickly. Um, he, he'd love to remind me that, yeah, but your mother doesn't teach classes. Uh, no, she point. doesn't. No, she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but he'd tell me about stories about gathering seaweed for dinner and uh, raising cows and taking care of livestock, which some of those stories stuck and actually helped me when I was taking care of livestock. Things, again, things you don't think are going to matter in your life, but your grandparents just sow the seeds and suddenly it saves your ass when you have a baby bull who's very upset. <laughs> oh, oh, I can, yes. I can definitely imagine that. It just, but the, the small lessons. Um, I mean, my grandfather taught me what's important when reading the newspaper. That was something I never thought was, you know, big thing. He pointed, he sat me down and he pointed out articles in the New York Times. You know, this is op-ed. This is what this means. And I had to be about eight at the time, mm-hmm. but it stuck with me. And it, and he, you'd show me newspapers he'd get from Ireland, especially the Irish Times. That was a big one. And he would always give me a copy of it because he wanted me to to learn more about the family I come from. Because, yes, I'm American. I'm also Irish. I also should be proud in my, you know, being Irish while still understanding that it's not, it's, especially in today's day and age when people are, you know, well, why don't we have white pride? That's not a thing. That's not a thing. My grandfather's always very strong about that. Which is strange, knowing some about his early history. Um, but his, the big thing was, be proud that you're Irish. Be prouder still of what you're going to do for this country as an American. And how you can make it better. Because my grandfather, his family was very affected by the Troubles. Uh, his family was extremely affected by the Black 47. Most of, most of his family in Mayo died during that. There's actually a cemetery in Mayo with my family that goes back five, six hundred years. And every white stone is a gravestone. And there's a lot of them from the 47. There's a lot of them from uh, the IRA, which is a tangent for another time as to why my family came to the U.S. Hmm. And other stories that I've been digging into because my grandparents did not tell me anything. (laughs) My grandfather, the lessons that I learned from my grandfather are not as obvious to me as I like to think they would be. You you remember lessons that your parents teach you, or that your siblings teach you, or maybe those you know those quiet moments with a with a grandparent, if you're lucky enough to have that. And most of the ones I immediately my mind goes to is my grandmother. Mm-hmm. But my grandfather still had a part to play in how I grew up. But it wasn't until I was older. It wasn't in the same way that a lot of kids can talk about their grandparents taking them places. It was in life lessons. When life and time started catching up to my grandparents, I spent more time talking and asking them questions about their childhoods growing up. You know, I learned about how my grandmother was a maid uh, and nearly died, and the wealthy family that she was working for took care of her until she got better. Uh, about my grandmother, my grandfather's service in the army during World War II. Um, how he actually went to the North Pole. I actually still have the document um, from the U.S. Army. You know, John Riley Thompson. So sorry, John Riley. I got 
the last name is mixed up there for a second. Um, the actual documentation my brother has, but then my grandfather went to the North Pole. Like, what the hell? <laughs> Just an expedition to the North Pole because, okay, that's that's really cool. Yeah. Like that that's something I didn't know. But also to pay more attention, to listen more. My grandfather was was very good at spinning stories and telling truths when he didn't think people were listening. How so? Uh, my grandfather didn't like to talk a lot about his past. He didn't like to talk a lot about being an immigrant in New York. He was a man who struggled with alcoholism, who had to bury his siblings because of their of their alcoholism. He never really talked about his service. He never wanted to talk about his service. I never realized what he did for, you know, he founding the ancient order of Hibernians or the Irish American clubs in Connecticut and New York City. When my grandfather passed at the age of 94, he had met his grand, his great grandchildren. He got to see three generations of his family. He lived much longer than he thought he was going to live. He actually even gave my little brother some lessons in Gaelic. My brother picked it up better than I did, to say the least. My brother's always more of the linguist, luckily. But my grandfather taught me about patience. Because patience was a big thing to him. When I get frustrated during my Eagle project, and I'd be, you know, my grandparents would come over for a cup of tea, I would be hand-drafting for hours at this point, and I'd be bloodshot, and I'd be miserable trying to get all these dimensions right for my project. And my grandfather would just kind of, he'd be on the back porch, on the patio, cigar in hand, cup of tea, and the funnies. And I'd sit down, he'd hand me the funnies, and he'd just go, take a breath, take a read, take a cup of tea, then talk. And that always struck me when I was younger as a little callous, because I always, you know, I saw my friends' grandparents, they're always very, you know, lovey, sweetie. My grandparents were, were very, they were loving in a very quiet way. And it took me a while to realize this, this was my grandfather's way of calm down, take a breath, and then let's talk. And he'd wait a couple minutes and go, so, what's going wrong with the project? And it'd be, he'd give me enough time, you know, I'd have a cup of tea. I take my mind off of it for a minute, and it let me say my problem out loud and be able to tackle that problem from a different angle. That's something I never really thought of at the time. It was, you know, one thing, focus on that one thing, the hyperfixation of I want to get it done. And my grandfather telling me to be patient, to take a moment, look at it from a different angle. Taught me the importance of bluffing and knowing how to read when someone's lying to you. That was the hardest 20 bucks I ever lost. On the shittiest hand of, uh, I had three aces, he had two twos, and I lost. <laughs> and, that, and, and I learned a lot of lessons from both my grandparents, but the most important one I think I learned was family and laughter. Which is a little cliche, and I'm not saying live, laugh, love. <laughs> um, oh, God. That actually made my grandmother cringe. <laughs> oh, I believe that. Oh, God, she looked at it when she went, that's shite. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, Grandma. Um, and some of the phrases you pick up from your grandparents, uh, 
Jesus, Mary, and Holy St. Joseph. I say that a lot. I said that a lot in production meetings and no one understood until uh, I had a designer pull me aside and go, I know what you're saying there. I know what you actually mean when you're saying that. <laughs> it's like, I'm not saying anything. It's like when you, it's it's like when a Georgian says, bless your heart. Exactly. Yeah. It's the same thing. You know, I mean, Christ, I, I think Biden, uh, I was reading, I was reading the Times and somebody had mentioned that in a, in a quiet conversation, Biden said, God, uh, God bless him. Oh no, I, I, oh Biden, I understand. Yeah, just small little phrases and and dark humor. Like I said, when my grandmother when my grandmother was passing, mm-hmm. um, my family has a group text. There's a group text with the you know my aunt, my mother and her siblings, and there's a group text with some of us cousins. There's a lot of us, mm-hmm. and uh, I was home at the time, and my mom started laughing. Okay. And I was a little concerned. It's like, Mom, we know Grandma doesn't have long. Are you feeling okay? And she show, she hands me her phone. And um, it's the conversation. She goes, just read the read the last five texts. And I'm not going to go through all of it because there's, there's some dark jokes and some dark humor. But the big one was, and this came to bite me in the ass years later in college, was my Uncle Pat. God, I'm fucking tired. And both John and my mother saying along, John saying along the lines, well, Mom won't need the bed so soon. You can kick her out when she's done. And my mother going, please just get in there and you can scooch her. She's not, she's not big enough anyway. <laughs> are you telling? Are you both just telling my uncle Pat that when mom dies, just sleep in her bed? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> but again, the dark, the the dark humor, the that just weird dark humor that my family, that my grandparents very much put forward in life, a humor that as a as a young grandchild I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. I understand a lot better now as I'm an adult going, oh, that's what they meant. Uh, oh, yeah. oh, Lord. <laughs> um, yeah, it's always fun when you when you start actually making those connections as you're older. You learn a lot more. You learn a lot more about your childhood. And you look back and you start thinking, wait, that's not normal. Or wait, mm-hmm. are all adults just dirty and dark? <laughs> Doesn't I'll- matter what... I think all the all the fun ones, all the best ones are. I this you want ugh, dark and weird. Um, <laughs> this is the wake. For folks who don't know, the the American wake as we know it is a very is an Irish tradition. Yeah, the viewing of the body, it very that is that came from Ireland. Okay. Um, and I always thought that was normal. It's not normal for a lot of people. Oops. Okay. Fair enough. Again, things I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, when my grandfather finally passed the age of ninety-four, it was there was, there was there was definitely some hubbub about it. A lot of family came out for it. A lot of Irish Americans, who I never heard of, but knew my grandfather. It's weird to think that this was before COVID, and there was a very small funeral home, and there was a line out the door of people I never knew, I never met, of all ages, shapes, sizes, who all knew my grandfather. They didn't know him, necessarily knew him personally, but they knew what they did, what he did for Irish Americans. Y'all talk about him as if he was a saint. <laughs> like, pump the brakes, folks. I don't know you. Why are you looking at my dead grandpa? <laughs> um, and the family drama aside, there, there was a bit of a, a 
kerfuffle as to when the funeral was supposed to be. It was supposed to be Sunday. That Sunday was Super Bowl Sunday. Um, and the plan was bury Grandpa and then watch the Super Bowl with the family. Now, you might think that's a, some people might think that's very a coarse thing to do. But if you knew my grandfather, he would have preferred to be buried on Super Bowl Sunday so the family could watch the Patriots win. <laughs> I shit you not. But my aunt decided, well, we're going to push it back to Monday without telling any of the family. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, Not great. And uh, I I remember all of this because I was about to, I was finishing working on White Card, which was a show for uh, Diane Paulus, the ART. And we were about to finish that up, go into tech, and then start building Jagged Little Pill. <sighs> yeah. Theater aside, Mm -hmm. we went to the funeral. We went to the wake. And uh, so I go down Sunday. So it's in Danbury, Connecticut. It helps. I know the priest who's doing the funeral. He actually became, he was the priest for the Newman Center when I was a senior in college. We actually knew each other pretty well, which is a little weird because I walked in. He went, oh, it's Connor. Hi, Father Patrick. What are you doing here? I'm here to, you know, for to do the service. What are you doing here? That's my grandpa. Oh. Wait, your grandfather was John Riley? Can we stop with this? Um, it's like the running joke of my life. Your grandfather's John Riley? Yes. Yes. Next. Next, please. <laughs> so we went to the funeral. And during the wake, like I said, the, the line was at the door. Which I was shocked at. There were armed guards next to my grandfather's casket from the ancient order of Hibernians with pikes. Oh. Yeah, they just walked in with pikes. And my first my first thought was, who's using pikes in a small room? <laughs> oh, it's an honor guard. Why the hell does my grandfather have an honor guard? And that's why I started learning more about some of his history after that, because it was just a... I need to know more because I'm very confused as to why there's pikes at a funeral. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Because it wasn't, it wasn't even a military funeral. If it was a military funeral, I could see the, you know, the riflemen, but mm-hmm. it's my grandfather. Like, my grandfather. Why do you have pikes? <laughs> I could understand if it was, like, my dad, mm-hmm. but my grandfather and pikes. I don't think you knew him as well as I think you... I think I did. I was wrong. The things you learn about your grand, you know, folks after they pass, because suddenly you find those little, those little moments of, I didn't know that. I want to know that now. I want to know more about that. Hmm. It, it can really spark that want to learn. And that, that conversation came up of, you know, wanting to learn more about our grandfather. Uh, after the wake, we went back to my uncle's and the Super Bowl was on. And I lost 40 bucks on the pool. Now the surprise there. Because the Patriots blew the game. But the the conversation came up of, what was Grandpa like? Not the Grandpa we knew. It wasn't just, it was a lot of my cousins, mind you. Hmm. A lot of my cousins. And there's a lot of us. Uh, And a lot of stories came out. There's a lot of memories of playing poker. I found out that my cousins also got hustled a couple bucks here and there. (laughs) Found out that my brother still got hustled the most. And just more of who my grandfather mellowed out to become. And small moments of, you know, of 
my family, my my mother and her her siblings, their childhood with grandpa. And again, they said that their memories was always grandpa cigar bit the end off. It was the big thing about my grandfather. Which I was happy to know that's an intergenerational thing of what's the memory of him? A Romeo and Juliet burning that he bit the end off of and lit. <laughs> Glad to know that's intergenerational. Well, my brother stopped after the wake to pick up cigars. And he held on to one. Now, I have to preface everything that happens next. My brother has been drinking up until 4 a.m. with my uncle. Learning a lot. Learning a lot about my family. That he didn't necessarily get to ask my grandparents the way I did. So, it is 6 o'clock a.m. We have to go to the wake and then to the funeral. My brother still uh, has got a case of the Irish flu. I go to wake him up. I tell him to get up quietly. He knocks over a bunch of glassware, his, his, uh, the glass he's drinking from that night, his keys, his knife, everything on the floor, as loud as a cannon shot. All right. Stealthy. So everyone gets dolled up. It's about 7 a.m. now. Everyone's, you know, fed, watered, and ready to go. So we can see the body, pay our last respects, then go to, you know, go and bring the body to the church. So we go to get in the car. It's uh, my mother, my brother, and myself. My dad was recovering from a stroke, six cracked ribs, and a punctured lung. So he was not with us. I remember that. I remember that only because it puts it gives me a timestamp as to when all of this was happening, <laughs> which was again getting ready for a tech from hell to go into a build from hell for a Broadway show that we only had two weeks to build. And we get to the car, and my brother dumps his coffee all over my mother's seat. And I thought my mother would kill him. Strike two for today. So we take my car, and we start driving to the church. We get to the church. You know, we get to the funeral home, and we say, "Yeah, you know, we were paying our respects." And I walk to the casket because I want to say goodbye to the old man one last time. And there's a cigar in his lapel, and the only thing that came out of my mouth was the little bastard didn't even cut it for him. <laughs> and I turn on my heel and I go to march to find Eric. He walks out of the bathroom. He sees me. The hands go up. I know I didn't cut it. <laughs> same page so a couple you know 20 minutes later the priest tells us say our goodbyes and we do you know friends you know then you know cycle through then family cycle through and anyone who was paying attention to my brother and I were sitting at the coffin would have sworn that we were crying our shoulders were you know heaving we walk out and my brother and I are crying sure but we're also trying so hard not to laugh and howl. We get outside and we start howling. And Eric goes, I should have fucking cut it. You should have fucking cut it, man. I should have cut the cigar. <laughs> and we look like we got our heads screwed on backwards. Because <laughs> again, it's a funeral. But all we can think about is Grandpa be on the grave. Cut my fucking cigar. I don't know why he just went Northern Scottish, but yeah. bear with. Um, drive to the church. Get out of the car. Remember, Eric's on strike two. Mm -hmm. He offers me some Altoids. He then drops the tin everywhere. And I look at Eric and I go, Eric, that's strike three. What do you mean? You do realize we have to carry Grandpa into the church. We're the pallbearers. And my brother just goes white 
as a sheet and goes, I'm going to fucking drop him, man. <laughs> and at this point, my co- we've, I've told a couple of my cousins who are also pallbearers. We're all trying, you know, we're all ribbing Eric. You know, time to bring the casket in. We pick up the casket. I hear my uh, my cousin Brian go, you going to drop him, Eric? Fuck off. He's heavy. So you're going to drop him? Fuck off. As we're, walk- As we're walking into a church, fuck you. Are you going to drop him? Fuck you. Are you going to drop him? Fuck you. The coffin goes down. We take our seats. And my brother leans over and he goes, hey, I didn't drop him. <laughs> I look at him and go, hey, we have to carry him out. Oh, fuck. And it's it's the weird things you remember during a funeral. There's a lot of sorrow, yes. There's a lot of pain. There's also funny moments that happen. And it's that kind of that kind of moment of, I know a lot of family members would be aghast at hearing my brother and I and me harassing my brother. You gonna drop him? You gonna drop grandpa? You gonna drop grandpa in the middle of the church? <laughs> Who? You would say, That's disrespectful. It is. But grandpa'd be laughing at that. He'd find that shit funnier than hell. Well, I bet. But it's it's those moments that make me really appreciate the humor that my family has, that my grandparents and my my parents instilled in us, and the moments that really brought the family together. Um, just like when the Patriots lost that Sunday night. We all were happy Grandpa was already dead, because if he wasn't, that would have killed him. That loss would have killed him. If you could bring them back for a day, what do you think you guys would want to do together, both both of your grandparents? I think... Well, I'd be confused, because if I brought them back, they'd be in Ireland, and I'd be stuck in the U.S. dealing with the pandemic. Yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll do best-case scenario. Best-case scenario? Yeah. Um, I, get to, I get to go visit my grandparents back in, Glen, count, in uh, County Kerry in Glencar, uh, in the Ring of Kerry, and I can sit on my cousin's back porch, staring at the mountains with them, and simply drinking a cup of tea. That's all I'd want. It doesn't even need to be conversation. Just tea. That's good. That's nice. It's the it's the little things you remember. I mean, I still make tea with my grandmother's tea kettle. Mm. It's gone with me everywhere. It came with me to Utah. It came with me when I've traveled across the country multiple times for multiple reasons. And the tea never tastes quite as good as grandma's. Neither do oatmeal raisin cookies. Neither does the smell of a Romeo and Juliet cigar. But it's those little things that always remind me of them. So I still make tea the same way grandma did. Attempt to make uh, oatmeal raisin cookies. Please, if I offer them, be kind and decline. (laughs) Um, Or why I will occasionally get a Romeo and Juliet. It's not my favorite cigar, sure, but it reminds me... So much of younger years of expectations for the present and hope for the future. My grandparents, through life, even through some very difficult times, were always very hopeful and compassionate and loving. And if I can have the same kind of compassion that my grandmother showed to anyone, the same kind of patience that my grandfather had for me and my brother growing up, and that same kind of understanding of other people that my grandparents both took time because it didn't matter who you were. They wanted to understand where you came from. And they wanted me to understand where I came from. And to take a sense of pride in being Irish, but do more to help my country become 
a better America. And it never in big acts. Small ones. Maybe cooking food for a friend. Maybe a cup of tea. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's probably all we can really ask for. Just try and take what we can from the past and and move forward and make everything around us just a little bit better. Well, thank you for coming by and introducing us all to your grandparents. They they truly sound wonderful, and I can definitely see them in you. That is both a compliment and a terrifying thought. <laughs> I figured you would think that, but yes. Well, if people want to find you in social media or elsewhere on the internet, uh, where can they do that? I mean, I'd rather you didn't per se <laughs> i well, mean you, you can know. find me on like facebook if you really want i don't really do much on facebook or instagram my instagram is mostly just photos of hikes mead and occasionally things i like to paint yeah, um they're cool they're things <laughs> and if for some reason you want to listen to a bunch of idiots on a podcast talk about a sci-fi game you can find us at legion speakeasy i i don't i don't know i'm not very good at the social media shit i i have it specifically when someone goes hey have you worked with so-and-so on a job let me find out what theater they worked at and probably stalk them yeah probably but your podcast is really cool to listen to so (laughs) (laughs) hurting sheep no not hurting sheep hurting cats drunken cats oh god exactly well, cool. Well, thank you again for, for stopping by. I mean, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to sit down and talk with a friend because we have everyone has memories of people they love that may not be with us anymore. But something that my grandmother that stuck with me that is just kind of always rattling around is family is always family. Doesn't matter if they're blood or not. Doesn't matter where they are. As long as you remember them, they still live on. Thank you all for stopping by and meeting John and Peggy. Feel free to rate and subscribe to us here. If you want to reach out and share your own stories, feel free to email us at stories at at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Stories at the Ofrenda. Be safe out there, and we'll see you all soon. Te quiero.